And there we go. We are back with another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter-Attack. We are in episode 109. We are joined by a very special guest and we're going to be talking to you all about the Bundesliga this week. We're going to be talking about the best players coming out of Germany at the moment. We're going to be talking about the best five sides possible from the, Germans, uh, from the German league as well. We're also going to be talking to someone who knows a lot more about German football than I do. So if you're going to be listening, make sure you're listening to our special guest today, Valentina Masseri. Did I pronounce your name right, Valentina? Thank you very much. Actually, it's Macieri. Macieri, the Italian in it. Macieri, the Italian yes. in it. No, that's all good. But no, thank you very much for joining us today, Valentina. Thank you very much for taking the time out today. We know you're very busy at the moment, especially being on Sky Sports in England as well. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have um, the time of day with yourself. How's everything going for you today? Um, thank you. Very well. I'm just enjoying kind of a day off where I have only some meetings like with you now Perfect. and some appointments and for the rest I'm going to have a workout later on and tonight I'm going to be at the stadium to watch Hertha. Hertha Berlin. I was yeah. at the Hertha Berlin stadium back in September. I went to watch Bayer Leverkusen versus Hertha Berlin and I was in the away fans with the Bayer Leverkusen fans because I support some Bayer Leverkusen and it finished. I guess there, there weren't that much Leverkusen fans in Berlin, right? It, they had to, you know, when you have the allocation, the full allocation, they had to like half it to fit everyone in. So it was one of those where I was there just to support Bayer Leverkusen on the day. I knew more of Bayer Leverkusen at the time. Are you a Bayer Leverkusen fan? No, no, no. I'm a Manchester oh. United fan. But for Bundesliga, I'll support Bayer Leverkusen now okay. because I went to their games. I, I would like Bayern Munich as well, but Bayer Leverkusen were always a team. Do you know FIFA, the PlayStation game? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'd be, <laughs> I'm I'd, not very good at it, but I know it's... I'll have to play you later. It'll be fun. It'll be really good fun. <laughs> um, but no, I basically, when I would play my little cousin on FIFA, he needed to be, he wanted to be the best team like Real Madrid, Barcelona. So I thought, you know what? I'll be not a, not as good of a team. So I'd be Bayern Leverkusen and they have a really good attack. Yeah, Patrick Schick, Musa Diaby, uh, Florian Wurtz, who we'll get onto later on as well. And I'd always beat him. So I thought, you know what? Let me go and watch Bayern Leverkusen play whilst I was in Berlin. And it was great fun. It was a really good game. Finished 2-2. Oh. Demery uh, Bay scored a fantastic goal as well, which was uh, really good to see. Um, but yeah, I, next time I'm in Berlin, I think I have to meet you in person. We can have a podcast together. That'd be great fun, which would be really, really good. Um, but no, thank you very much for your time today. First of all, we got to tell everyone who you are. And again, there's so much that I need to uh, know about you, Valentina, because you used to play professional football, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. Yes. So where did you play uh, professional football? Was it in Germany? Was it in Italy? Uh, um, it was in Germany and in Italy. Actually, I um, started to play football when I was three years old. Okay. Because uh, my cousin and me, we were very close to each other because our parents had a restaurant. So they were very busy. Yes. And my cousin didn't have a brother with whom playing football. So uh, the next one was me. Yep. And um, he was the one, actually, I really say this uh, very often that brought me to football. And so I have to say thank you to him for everything that happened afterwards. So my career as well, because uh, football taught me a lot. And then it was like, I wanted to become a professional football player was one of my dreams when I was five years or six years old. And my Italian parents said no, because like, you know, at back then, now it's better, but back then it was not that usual that little girls or women were playing football. So um, they didn't want me to play in a club. Since one day, um, there was a coach watching me play in the backyard 
Yeah. And he saw me and he came to me and he was like, wow, you're very talented. So uh, do you play in some clubs or are you somewhere? And I was like, actually, I just love to play football and I play in the streets, but my parents don't want me to play football. And he was like, can I talk to your parents? <laughs> I was like, well, you can try. I'm trying for years now, but I don't think you can move anything. And he was like, no, no, I come, I come by to drink a coffee and then talk to your parents. And that actually was my start of uh, my football career. At wow. Adult. And then everything uh, took his his space. Like uh, I was in a, a DFB Elite Schule, it's called. It's like a sports school where only football players are. Yeah. I trained uh, with the boys of SDF to Nuremberg because I was I grew up in uh, Nuremberg in Bavaria. Okay. And um, when I was 16 years old, I did my first professional appearance for back then Kreisheim in Bundesliga. And then with 18, when I finished school, I went to Italy to play with Verona in Serie A in Champions League. And with 20, I decided to stop playing football. At 20? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So you got to play Champions League football. Who did you get to play against in the Champions uh, League? Birmingham City was my very first match. Oh, no. Yeah, not, I know. It was in Birmingham. I can't remember. It was in Birmingham, actually. Did that you have to come to Birmingham first, to play? That was my very first Champions League appearance in Birmingham. Oh, I'm so sorry that's the case. <laughs> Of all the places in Europe you had to go to, you had to go to Birmingham in England. I'm so sorry. I mean, yeah. I play, I would used to play Birmingham football in Birmingham every Friday night. This is how we started the podcast. Just a couple of guys from Birmingham um, playing football Friday night counterattack. Yeah. But for you to play Champions League football there, I'm so sorry, Valentina, that that was the thing. But um, <laughs> okay, it's okay. So how come you finished playing football at 20? Was it an injury? Did you get bored? No, actually, it wasn't an injury. It was like um, I was there in Italy after finishing my school, you know, so. Um, I had my very first thoughts about my future. So what do you want to do after your school? I said to myself, I want to play one year just playing football. I want to enjoy. I want to do this. And I want to just relax for the very first time in my life and focus just on one thing. Because, you know, being on an uh, elite sports school in a national team and playing football in your club is like very time expensive. So um, I had a very strict schedule for years. Yeah, And I said to myself, now I really want to just enjoy football. But then after one year, I want to decide maybe what to study, go to university, uh, besides your football career, what do, what do you want to do? And it was like, there were a few players in my team at the age of 30, 35, that has played everything that you can imagine, like World Cups, European Championship, Champions League, uh, Serie A, Coppa Italia. Uh, they were international players. And um, their contract wasn't extended at the age of 35. And then they were standing like in front of a big uh, question mark, you know, yeah. because um, they hadn't learned anything besides football because you didn't really have the time to do anything else. And you don't earn that much money in women's football still. And back then it was even worse um, that you can like, you know, have enough money after your career to like enjoy and relax and be laid back. So this really uh, was kind of an alarm signal for me because I said to myself, I don't want to end like this yeah. because uh, I don't have done that much in school also because I was always a good uh, student yeah. um, to then being at the age of 30 and 35 and don't know what to do with my life. So I said to myself, I really love football. And I was like, I want that there's some women in TV or in women's or men's football business 
that really intend and are really capable of talking about football, like, yeah. you know, being really good players in this yeah. business. So I said to myself, I want to study journalism and I want to become the first woman in Germany. When people see me in TV, they say, hey, she really does know what she's talking about. And, and that's why you're on the podcast now, because I knew exactly what you were talking about when you, yeah. when I was been, I, I couldn't understand you in German, but when you were on Sky Sports recently as well, speaking about Musa Diaby, uh, Jude Bellingham, et cetera, I was like, yeah, she knows her stuff. I need to get her on the podcast because she can educate me a lot more on Bundesliga football. And that's the biggest compliment for me, you know, because really I get a lot of feedback when, when people are like surprised. Yeah. They're like, oh, wow, she really know what she's talking about. But I said to myself, this should be the standard. Absolutely. I want more little girls or more young women playing football, taking this risk or having the courage to do this step. I mean, it still isn't easy as a woman in a main dominated industry, for yeah. sure. But um, we need more of that. And Absolutely. I think there are more of me, but maybe just some don't have the courage that I had. So uh, I really want to be, you know, like an inspiration also. Definitely. Sure, slowly but surely is is a good term to say. So slowly, every now and then, more people yeah. will come out as well. And it's like with me as well, because you don't normally see um, like brown people talking about football yeah. a lot on the media. So I wanted to create my own narrative as well to say, actually, I do know about football. I can talk about it with different people, but I'm also humble enough to know when I want to know more from another person, they can educate me about it. So like today, learn about Bundesliga with you perfectly fine because i know a lot about bundesliga but you know a lot more about bundesliga. maybe you know more than me ah, we, we will see we who, will knows? See. who <laughs> knows but no thank you again for sharing your story about going into football um and into football journalism as well valentina now we're going to test our knowledge bundesliga this season we're, we're back in the bundesliga this back from its winter break it's looking fantastic right now as well with uh Bayern munich behind You've got Frankfurt and Union Berlin who have been amazing this season. What's your first thoughts on the Bundesliga restart so far, Valentina? Who are you looking forward to watching? Um, for my first thought actually after this uh, very first weekend was some teams are still sleeping <laughs> and some teams are awake. Like when you have a look at the results, we had, Wolfsburg. I think, the Wolfsburg game was crazy. in total and it's a lot. Yeah. But I don't think this will go on like this because I just think some teams had an issue with the restart and some were just like on point, you know. So uh, Bayern Munich and Leipzig did very well. I think it was okay. The tie was okay. Um, I think Leipzig is a very strong team and I really think they can be dangerous for Bayern Munich. But I think also Eintracht Frankfurt is a team to watch because they have done an amazing work during the last years and they have represented German football last year and European football very well. And um, They previously won the Europa League as well. Yeah. I think 2019 and I think they won it. This is a team really that is, has done serious work and is a team definitely to watch for the next years. Definitely. Are there any certain players you're looking forward to watching this season for the rest of the season, Valentina? Because unfortunately for you, Christopher and Kunku, who I love to watch in the Europa League and the Champions League, is moving to Chelsea. And yeah, I'm a Man United fan. It's the same thing. We talked to Max Ebel uh, last week. Yes. The new general manager of uh, Leipzig. Yep. And we asked him about Nkunku and he said, it's it's a done thing. Yes. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, but yeah, you can be happy to to get him in Premier League. And I wanted him in the Bundesliga. It's what makes it so great because you have the different competitions that you see as well, your different quality of opponents. And Nkunku, for me, is one of the top five stars in the Bundesliga, yeah. in my opinion. He's such a joy yeah. to watch as a fantastic yeah. player and he can is rather assisting or scoring and it just makes it so much easier to watch someone like him yeah. week in week he's, out he's a remarkable player with a bright future and um if you think that uh he has cost only uh, 13 million back then in 2019 i think it was yeah um how he has developed is just amazing we at sportbit where i uh work now have awarded him last year for the newcomer of the year Yes. Because at the beginning, maybe he had some issues like, you know, to adapt in Germany, but then he has developed so well. And I think he really has a bright future. Definitely. But the player I love most at the moment, and I think we're going to see him in Premier League as well next season, is Jude Bellingham. Oh, no. Not Jude Bellingham. I really love this player because it's so incredible. He's only 19 years old. But when you see him watching, he's so confident and he just can read the, the game so well. And I don't know why, but yesterday, was it yesterday, Sunday? No, the day before Saturday. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching Borussia Dortmund and I saw Jude Bellingham. And I don't know if it's only because of the shoes, because he's wearing the uh, Adidas Predator in black and red. But he kind of reminds me of Zinedine Zidane. He does. He really, really does. And that's why and I want I him was... to go to Real Madrid. Not yeah, to Liverpool. I was watching Borussia Dortmund last day and I was like, how can a player at the age of 19 play like this? It's not just that you say like he has talent or potential. He's so developed for his age. Mature, very, very mature. Yeah, very mature. And it's it's such incredible to, I don't know, I just enjoy watching him playing football. And he reminded me of Zinedine Zidane actually. Yeah, he's a fantastic player to watch and he's got a very big future ahead of him as well. But what has he brought to the Bundesliga um, from your point of view that no midfielders, young midfielders have done before? What do you think, uh, Valentina? The confidence. Confidence. And the maturity. I mean, you have in comparison maybe, uh, let's say, um, Yusuf Amukuku. Yes. Yusuf Amukuku is a very big talent. And he's only one year younger than Bellingham. But yep. if you compare these two players to each other, it's not only about their uh, capability of uh, playing football, but also about their mentality. Yeah, I have never heard something negative about Bellingham. Never. He's uh, humbled. He has the right mindset. He has the right attitude. And you just see that this player is going to be one of the best of the world for the next years, for sure. Well, and with Mukuku, for instance, you just don't know where he's going. You want him to be on the right track because he's, yeah. he's got the best club possible at uh, BVB. So when you're looking at Dortmund, they've developed so many young players over yes. the years and they've become world stars. Royce, Lewandowski, Goetz, uh, you're talking about Haaland as well, Sancho, telling yeah. him the next one. So They're so good at it, really. And this is why, for instance... I think that Mukuku has to be like more thankful for the chance he's getting at Dortmund. I mean, now he signed or he said yes to Dortmund to extend his contact. But before there were like, uh, you know, a lot of complications. Yeah, yeah, complications because of uh, the salary and stuff. And um, Bellingham seems for me more more straight. He just yeah. knows what he wants, what he's doing. He's humbled. He's like such a great player. He's... And he has developed in the last few months, like 
especially at the World Cup. Yeah, being a leader for his country, yeah, and his club team. He's taking also responsibility on the pitch, you know. So it's a different level. It's a Definitely. different level. One player I wanted to speak to you about before we talk about our five asides from the Bundesliga is Florian Wirtz. After having yeah. nine months out with injury, um, he's just one of those players that I thought, you know what, he could be the big future of German yes. football. Him and Musiala working together as well in that German side. What are you expecting from Florian Wirtz for the rest of the season, Valentina? I know he's had his long injury, but are you expecting him to take Bundesliga, uh, Bayern Leverkusen from ninth to around fourth or fifth? What do you expect from Florian Wirtz? Well, uh, it depends how he's coming back. Well, he has the potential to do so, and he's definitely going to be one of the players that is going to be Germany's future star, yeah. for sure. And he's going to be one of the main protagonists uh, for the next World Cups and European Championship for the German national team, for sure. Yeah. And he did so well even before the injury, you know. So um, He was their main creator and getting them into the Champions yeah, League. Him, Diaby, Schick, fantastic trio they had up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his cruciate ligament is... is not an easy injury. So yep. um, there are some players that come back very well. And I think what was good with it is that he's still so young. Mm. So maybe if you have an injury like this at the age of 30, it's a total difference. But now I think um, it depends on how he's coming back, but he definitely has the potential to to help Bayer Leverkusen. That's why Bayer Leverkusen didn't sell uh, Moussa Diaby because yes. uh, they need players like them to reach the international uh rankings in, in the um, tabelle. Definitely, into the top four of the Bundesliga yeah. as well. And one last question as well on the Bundesliga before our main topic of five aside. Which managers have impressed you the most this season, uh, Valentino? In the Bundesliga? In the Bundesliga, yes. Mm, I'd say it's, of course, always Nagelsmann. Yes. Because uh, Bayern Munich has had difficulties at the um, beginning of the season also because of uh, Nagelsmann character because uh, he's also a young a young very young uh, coach I think he's 34 35 now yeah. so one of the youngest ever and he had to adapt to the mentality of Bayern Munich and you see him now being a different kind of person and a different kind of coach in comparison to the first games so also how he has developed has impressed me very well, also in his uh, presentation to media. Yeah. And um, second, I think um, after Nagelsmann is also Oliver Glasner. Okay. Of course. And um, third one would be uh, Terzic. Who does he manage? Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund. Okay, and then Marco Rose at Leipzig. Are you are you happy with him? Not so happy with him. Yeah, I think uh, since Marco Rose uh, has been in Leipzig, they uh, have developed amazing. So uh, he started when Leipzig was I don't know in the middle of this of the season. It was like the sixth or seventh game, and since then since then Leipzig hadn't lost one game. Yeah, I mean this uh, speaks for himself, but um, Marco Rose is, is is a top top coach, but Julian Nagelsmann is very young and Edin Terzic is also very young. And what impressed me with Edin Terzic is he had been Dortmund's coach and he did very well. But at that point, when Edin Terzic took Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund already had an agreement with Marco Rose. Yeah. So Edin Terzic, even though he did amazing, he had to, to go, you know. And um, now he's back and he's a really Dortmund guy. He grew up in the city and he really has this uh, B4B blood, as you yeah. say, in Germany. 
and um, he just fits there very, very well. What kind of blood do you have? Do you support BBV, Bayern Munich? Do you have a German team um, that you favoritize? Actually, I have Italian blood. So. Italian blood is fine. So, <laughs> who, who are you supporting in Italy? Yeah, um, I support Ice Roma because oh, yeah. my, dad's, my dad's from Rome. Brilliant. Um, but support is like a little bit too much. It's just like I like Ice Roma because my dad's from Rome. Here in Germany, I really like Borussia Dortmund. I really like Bayern Munich. I just like good teams where you enjoy watching them play in football and um, who represent German football well in, in the international football game, you know. Absolutely, because that's what I like seeing as well. I don't like seeing, as opposed to loads of English fans, I don't like seeing everyone come into England because it's so much more enjoyable when you watch different leagues and you see how well they play. Like even, for example, Juventus versus Atalanta was 3-3. Uh, you talked about uh, Borussia Dortmund, 4-3. Amazing game yeah. to watch last week, Saturday. So fantastic games all around Europe as oh, well. Wolfsburg against uh, Freiburg. Oh, what was that? 6-1, 7-1? 6-0. 6-0. I don't remember. 6 or 7. Yeah, because there was the Wolfsburg game. As, yeah, it's crazy to see. That's why I told you. I think some teams were just still sleeping, you know? And yeah. Some were just at the point. They wanted that extra week of holiday. They wanted to come back for another pre-season yeah, yeah. game as well. Welcome well. back. <laughs> Straight away to back work. into the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Right, Valentina, now is the time that you're going to test your knowledge against me in literally the Bundesliga fiver side. So this is how it works where you and I go against one another in terms of choosing our best teams in the Bundesliga for this season. And the one but we're only is, five players, right? Only five players, yeah. yes. And the one rule is you can only pick one player per club and you can't pick the same player as the other person has picked. So, ah, for example, so I can't pick the ones that you're picking. Yeah. But fortunately, because ah. I'm I'm a very kind host, Valentina, you get to go first. So um, you can go from goalkeeper to attacker or you can go in any type of way. But you don't have to pick a goalkeeper if you don't want to as well. But this is just, for example, if you're playing on like the streets of Berlin, if you're playing in the favelas, the cages, who do you think would be the best five aside? So first pick for you, Valentina, who are you choosing? I start with the goalkeeper, of course. And I'm going to choose Trapp. Kevin Trapp? Yeah. Oh, no way. That was my choice. Oh, no. Because I don't want to pick Neuer because you need an outfielder for Bayern. Yeah, Neuer. I don't want to pick Neuer and don't, I don't want to pick Kobel because I need the B for B part for another player. You can imagine whom it be. Yes. But um, that's why I picked Kevin Trapp. Okay, you've gone for your Frankfurt choice. I'm going to go for Wolfsburg. I'm going to go for Pastille, uh, Castile, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. Literally because I know he's a fantastic keeper. Probably going to be the heir to Thibaut Courtois in the in the Belgian side as well. I think he's a fantastic player to watch for the Bundesliga's goalkeepers as well. So yeah. I'm, I'm joining you in, in having a goalkeeper. So I'm yeah, I'll let you go first. What what defender are you going to go for, Valentina? Uh, left side, Davis. You're going for Alfonso Davies? Okay. So that's your that's your Bayern Munich player then? Yes. Okay, you're going early with Bayern Munich. Um What's yours? I'm going to have to go for Leipzig and I'm going to have to go for Gavardiol. Uh, that Gavardiol. was my second choice, damn it. I had a player from Frankfurt, but I may have to use a Frankfurt player later because I'm very impressed with one of these players. But yeah, um, Josh Gavardiol, fantastic World Cup, fantastic yeah. season so far for RB Leipzig. And he did really well last season as well for uh, in the Bundesliga. And I'm really looking forward to seeing more from him. Hopefully he doesn't join Chelsea, like all these players are joining Chelsea. So um looking forward to seeing where we got um three three attackers now so two midfielders one attacker however you want to go for it valentina it's your choice now okay, I, it's, I it's, the next choice okay um should i be that guy and pick jude bellingham 
Should I pick Jude Bellingham? No, no, because we have <laughs> done the goalkeeper. Now we have one defender. We need the second defender. No, it's my it's my formation. So if I want to go for goalkeeper, defender, two midfielders, and one attacker, then I don't give you the choice. <laughs> okay, then. Okay, okay, okay. I knew then I knew that was a t- okay. You can have Bellingham. We'll talk about Bellingham in a bit. If I need to go for a midfielder, then um, mm-hmm. I will go for my my midfielder as I've I've chosen Leipzig, so I can't go for Conrad Leimer. I'm going to go for Frankfurt and I'm going to go for Jesper Lindstrom. I think Jesper Lindstrom would uh-huh. be a good shot for me. Fantastic player to watch and a big star in the Danish side as well going forward. But my favourite thing from Jesper Lindstrom was his Europa League campaign last season. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, that's your midfielder? That's one of my midfielders. One. I may go for one midfielder or two midfielders. So how's your starting five looking like? It's looking like one goalkeeper, one yeah. defender, and then mm-hmm. I'm probably going to go for two midfielders and one striker. Or uh-huh. what? Yeah, so... Because I'm so nice to you, Valentina, you can have your midfielder. I know who you're choosing now as well. I go 2-1-1. One, one. Yeah. And my one, of course, is Jude Bellingham. So who's your second defender then? That's what I'm thinking about. So okay. I wanted to take Guardiol. Yes. But you picked my choice. You're going very um, Italian now, aren't you, Valentina, with your defense? Two defenders, one one midfielder. Um, yeah, because well. I I want offensive defenders, you know, like yeah. Davis passed one. So who could you pick? Yeah. I, I've got one. I've got one you could pick actually. Bayern Leverkusen right back, Jeremy Fringpong. Yeah, I think I would take him. It's not a bad choice, but I have to think about if I have someone of Bayern Leverkusen. Mm. Mm. I need maybe this place for Wirtz. Yes, know? I was going to pick Wirtz. Damn it. Yeah, I was gonna pick words for this is how difficult it is as well. Because okay, so just to go through every um we're on I've got three picks. I've got uh Castiles, I've got uh Gvardiol, and I've got Lindstrom in my team. You have Kevin Trapp, you've got Davis, Alfonso Davies, you've got Jude Bellingham, and then who's your fourth pick gonna be? Are you gonna go for a defender or a midfielder for yeah, this? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. See, it's very difficult, Valentina. Yeah, I know. I need to be a manager maybe one day. You do. It's testing your journalism skills. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick... Yeah, I'm going to pick Fring Pong. Fring Pong. Good yeah. choice. Good choice. That means I get to pick Florian Wirtz as my second midfielder as well. Yeah, I, I give you Florian Wirtz. Florian Wirtz is the one, but I should have... I need a new striker now. <laughs> I need I need a striker as well. Um, I'll, I'll make it easy for me. I'm going to pick my Bayern Munich choice now and go for Sadio Mane. I think he's an absolute joy of a player to watch. Yeah, I picked my yeah. Frankfurt choice as well, so I can't go for Kolo Muani, who yeah. I wanted to go for yeah, um, yeah. as well. So Sadio Mane, how has he been in the Bundesliga so far? Has he settled in perfectly? Is he going to be so 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 so? Um, I liked him more at Liverpool. He started very well in Bayern Munich, but um, now I think he has little issues to really adapt well to the system of Julian Nagelsmann. Yes, he's such an amazing player. Like you know, fast uh, his technique, his uh, eye for the goal. His He's pressing, his finishing. And as what well. was most impressive, I think, is the point that when Lewandowski went to Barcelona, everyone was like, how can Bayern Munich survive without Robert Lewandowski, you know? The hard but, life. Yeah, but it like, you know, sometimes clubs are just bigger than some players. Absolutely. You know, you see it in 
um, Barcelona, you see it in Manchester United, you see it with the Bayern Munich. Seen it's it with Arsenal amazing. as well, getting rid of yeah, Obama. Of Young, it's it's amazing to have kind of these superstars as Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lewandowski, but you can't fulfill the full potential of the other players because everyone is just playing for them, you know? Yes. So at that point that you're missing out these players, there are some players that you didn't even know how good they are, that are now rising stars, for instance. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's so many going through as well, which is... Nice to see, yeah. Nice to see. So, okay, I have Kevin Trapp, Frankfurt. I have Alfonso Davis, Bayern. I have Frimpong, Leverkusen. I have Bellingham, Dortmund. Ooh, I need a striker from... Maybe I can... I haven't done Leipzig yet, right? You haven't done Leipzig. You haven't done um, Gladbach. Um, I, I take uh, Turam. Yeah, Marcus Turam. What a player yeah, he is. Of course. How, uh, do you think he's a good type of side, actually. Wow. We've done, we've done very well as well with that. I'm surprised he went for that formation there, Valentina, but it's a fantastic formation you've got as well. So for me, in my team, I've got Castillo's in goal from Wolfsburg. I've got Gavardio from RB Leipzig. I wanted to buy in uh, Bruce Dortmund player, but you stole him. You used emotional blackmail by choosing Jude Bellingham there, Valentina. So I, I just love him as a player. I'm sorry. I, I'm such a big fan of Bellingham. I'm so sorry. It's okay. If it means I get you back for another podcast, I'll happily concede Jude Bellingham <laughs> for you as well, which would be good fun. So you, I have not got Jude Bellingham, but I've got Jesper Lindstrom and I've got yeah. Florian Works, who I'm big fans of. I was thinking of Kamada and I was thinking of Slobosly, but I was like, you know what? I'll leave them no. for a bit. Go yeah. for Burtz. Burtz is going to be, he's going to be a world star. I agree. I've said that previously. Who do you think is going to be better, Wurtz or Musiala in the future? Difficult, but I think Wurtz. Yes. If I'm going to have to pick one of these two, it will be Florian Wurtz. Definitely. I'm definitely going for Florian Wurtz. I think he's going to be the star of Germany for the next 10 yeah. years, in my opinion, as well. He's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and up front, I had to go for my Bayern Munich choice. I could have gone for Sane, I could have gone for Gnabry, Coman, but I went for Sadio Mane, who I think is a fantastic player and a world-class striker that we've seen for years as well, like you said. Valentina, just go through your team one more time for us, please. Kevin Trapp. Yep. Davis and Frimpong. Davis and Frimpong. and Thuram. You probably have the fastest team out of the two of us as well. Look at the pace that you have as well. Davies and Frimpong, either wing. Bellingham just running around the middle. And then, yeah, up front as well. I'm so, and you did not, you went for tour round. You one, right? Very good. See, this is what happens when you test your football in knowledge like this. It's fantastic to see Valentina. You know, these days you need pace more than almost everything. So when you have a good strike and you have like fast players on the outside on the wing and they can cross or they can put the ball inside, it's just a done deal, you know? If I had Kimmich in my side as well, as opposed to Mane, we would have controlled the game a lot more as well. So I'm going to have to rely on these two young midfielders, Lindstrom and Wurtz, to defend and attack properly in midfield, which would be really good fun. But no, we'll let we'll let the social media followers from both your side and our side decide who has the best team, um, yeah. which would be good fun, Valentina. I'm, I'm going to looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. It's going to be good. We'll put a poll out on Instagram, see who's got the best team, your team yeah. or my team, which would be good um, in that way. But yeah, Valentina, just before we wrap up the podcast, I just want to say thank you very much for your time today. You've been very generous with your time and with your um, with your stories as well. It's been great. But I know that, for example, we are a football and a mental health podcast as well. And whenever we invite special guests on as well, we do like to invite 
um, them to talk about mental health um, mm -hmm. issues, not issues that they've had, but how you can prevent them in the future. So mm -hmm. I know you told me earlier that you've got exercise later as well, and you're a, you're very big on your fitness as well. So for someone who works in sports media, always in front of cameras, traveling all the time as well, what works best for you to help with your mental health and how does it benefit you in, in the short-term future and the long-term future? Um, first of all, I, I always say to people around me that sports is the best medicine. Yes. And I really mean that and I really feel that because there's so much, there is actually so much pressure uh, these days around you and so much media and information going on and lots of people want to talk to you in, in, in this business especially. And sometimes, you know, the pressure is very big. Yeah. The pressure to always know about everything, uh, the pressure to know that people won't let you make mistakes, they gonna judge you. And especially as a woman, you have to like perform double, you know. And with sports, it's just a kind of being free from everything. Yes. Being free from everything, like putting off the pressure of you, like gaining self-confidence, um, getting adrenaline through your veins and just positive vibes and positive thoughts. And like, you know, maybe being able of getting some exercise that you didn't or, or wasn't able to do in, in the past is like turning your self-confidence to the next level, just to know Absolutely. that you're capable of doing more than you thought your body or your mind is able to do. So there's so much little things about sports that does have a big, big impact on your daily life. And that's why I always say really sports is the best medicine for everything. And that's why I also see in, in, in business sites, lots of uh, ex-athletes have a totally different mindset than people that haven't done sports at all. And lots of ex-athletes, even though on business side, the business side, they are successful just because of their mindset. Because I really think the sports mindset or the athlete mindset is going to bring you everywhere you want. Because yeah. once you get it, how life works, and that is, it is normal to lose sometimes, but you have to come back then, is the thing that you learn as an athlete. You learn a lot from failure and from your mistakes to move forward sure, and never make sure. those mistakes again. And, but for some, time, for some people or for most people, failure is like, I don't know, the end of the world. Yes. But as an athlete, even though you play for Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid or whatever top team you're playing for. Verona. You know, that sometimes you're going to lose. And sometimes you have like the last penalty on your foot and you're going to shoot out the target or you're going to lose a World Cup final or you're going to lose a Champions League final, whatever. This is big pressure about losing, but not if sometimes maybe you say a wrong word or you say wrong information or something. That's not pressure at all in comparison yeah. to what you have I, on, as a player maybe sometimes. I saw that as well. And I saw that on some of your comments on Instagram as well, which I thought was quite harsh as well, that people saying, oh, you said this or this wasn't right and you're making mistakes. And I was like, that's very harsh of some people to say straight away as well, because everyone does make mistakes and not everyone's perfect. So it's very odd that people have to say things like that in public as well, um, which is really, really annoying, but very inspiring from yourself as well, Valentina. And um, do you still play football as well? Do you still play football? 
Nah, just sometimes, maybe with friends, but not that much. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to have to challenge you to like a crossbar challenge then when you're next in England or when I'm next in Germany. We'll have to have a we couple of games of that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It will be good fun as well because I challenge people. And then when you actually get to playing as well, because I play rather foot golf or I'll play like mini games of football with one-on-one. So if I'm in Germany next or you're in England next, we'll go and play foot golf and that's a very fun game or yeah. literally crossbar challenges will be very I'm fun as well. At, I'm very good at the crossbar challenge. So I mean, I'm, pref- I'm challenging the next professional footballer. So yeah, yeah I, 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 need to have a, I need to have a good mindset to be, to yeah. be challenging you as well, which is good. Um, but no, before we wrap up, Valentin, I need to ask you one more question as well. Who's your top four for the Bundesliga this season? Just top four players? Top four teams, sorry. Who's going to be? Out top four teams. Yeah. Um, Bayern Munich. Yep. Frankfurt, Leipzig, Dortmund. Dortmund making four position, yeah? Yes. And you don't think Union Berlin will stay in that top four? Um, no. No. I'm going to go for these four. Leipzig, Bayern, Frankfurt and Borussia Dortmund. But Union... Berlin is um, going to qualify for European competition as well, but after Dortmund. After Dortmund as well. That'd be great. I'm looking forward to uh, to May now and seeing what, what happens with that Frankfurt um, team as well, because I think they're such a joy to watch as well. And I'm really looking forward to watching them in the Champions League against Napoli as well, who are also a very exciting team. To wow, watch. these two teams with their fans, this is going to be higher. Wow, there's going to be a lot of work for police. Definitely. With, with the fans that Frankfurt bring as well, especially when they did to Barcelona last season as well. Yeah. It's crazy to see what they do. I've been looking for tickets and I can't get tickets as well. It would have been good fun to go to Frankfurt um, for that as well, which is great fun. But no, where, where can everyone find you, Valentino? So if people want to learn more about your career, they want to know more about you as a football journalist, where can people learn a bit more about yourself, uh, Valentino? Um, just by Googling my name, yep. <laughs> for instance. But uh, I think my main platform is my Instagram account. Okay. So yeah, that's absolutely um, fine. I yeah, can leave that I in the description below. Yeah. Okay. If you were putting my name on YouTube, you're going to find lots of videos as well, of course. But I think most private or most me is my Instagram channel. Fantastic. I'll put the video out of our five aside and people are going to be like, oh yeah, Valentina does know Bundesliga football. She's like, um, really good with her knowledge as well, which is great. But no, I just want to say thank you very much for your time, Valentina. It's been lovely to speak to you. Everyone stick around for part two where we discuss the Bundesliga's impact in the Premier League. Uh, Valentina, thank you very much for your time. Take care and see you later. Thank you, guys. It was nice being your guest. Bye. No worries. And welcome to part two of episode 109 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. I'm joined by Suki again. And Suki, we're here to talk about the impact of German Premier League managers, um, the impact from Bundesliga managers and probably some of the best and the worst players from the Bundesliga as well. Or actually, we could do best of, best and worst of German footballers. What do you think, Suki, to finish off the podcast? Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that okay. one. That's all good. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, this is a topic I really wanted to discuss with you as well. Obviously, you being a Spurs fan, me being a Man United fan, we're yet to have a, a German manager reach, aren't we? But we've seen a lot of impact from German managers across the Premier League, the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Thomas Tuchel. Ralph Ragnick is um, from Germany, but he's only an interim manager, I would say, as well. So I'm not going to say that he was a manager. He was an interim manager. And obviously, we can talk about the likes of Pep Guardiola, who has managed in the Bundesliga, Ralf Hasenhutl as well. Um, I just kind of want to know from, from your kind of point of view as well, has the Premier League been influenced in a way by German football managers to an extent that a lot of the young coaches coming through now are actually outdated? So the likes of Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, their style of play is outdated because everyone wants to play like Klopp, everyone wants to play like Pep, 
everyone, even the defensive side of things, are trying to go a bit more like Ralph uh, Hassan Hussle was once upon a time as well. What do you think, Suki? Yeah, no, definitely. I think probably we, we don't see it as much now. It's not as prominent because, again, like Tuchel being a classic case, I think that's the the start of those German managers coming in because they're at that young age, right? So I think what you see now in Germany, especially into kind of like Mainz and the teams below um, and Freiburg, you got like young managers coming in. So I think giving it a bit of time, they build up on their experience, give it about four or five years so they can develop a team and then you'll see them transition to the Premier League. I think, again, we haven't really, if you think about it, there's no one except for Tuchel that kind of screens kind of volumes in terms of being a Premier League manager. Everyone else has always managed kind of the lower end of the table or mainly in the championship. So, uh, yeah, again, it, I think probably not now, but maybe in the future, in the next decade or so, we'll probably see a, bit, a few more because a bit more prominent. And I think, again, like you say, I think German managers bring that kind of systematic style of ta- tactical battle. So I think that's going to become a thing later on. So, yeah, I was going to say, get your thoughts on that, actually, what you think about kind of the young German managers coming in. I mean, you're looking at some of them as well and you're looking at how Thomas Tuchel is out of a job at the moment and he's recently been reported to saying that he's actually looking at trying to get the Real Madrid job or the Barcelona job because he's used to that high-intensity job being at Chelsea, being at PSG previously as well. I'm waiting to see when he's back in management and there's rumours, obviously, he could be taking over Antonio Conte if Antonio Conte walks. What are you thinking about that? Would you, would you take Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea? I mean, yeah, I'll take him because... Uh, but then... It kind of defeats the purpose for us. I think we're in a weird kind of transition. Like weird kind of yeah, transition of like having owners that don't want to spend, that are trying to sell the club, and then we've got managers that are really there for instant success, wanting those ready-made players. We don't have a manager that are kind of focused on building the youth up. So I think with Tuchel, you probably do have that kind of uh, kind of uh, kind of leeway where he will develop those young players, but then again, he would still need quality players in certain positions. And again, he'll play that formation of 3-5-2 or 3-4-3, which he likes. Um, but again, he's got that Premier League experience. So yeah, I, I wouldn't mind taking him. But I think it wouldn't go too well with the uh, Chelsea fans over, over the west side of London. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when you're thinking about it, to put it in plain sight as well, I don't think Graham Potter's improved on what Thomas Tuchel actually had at Chelsea. When you're looking at Reese James, for example, as well, he finally discovered the best of Reese James by playing him as a right wing back as well. Chilwell's best form was under uh, Thomas Tuchel as well as a left wing back as well. You were getting better output from Angolo Kante, Mason Mount um, in that side. And even though um, Graham Potter's now in, Mason Mount has been hardly as effective as he once was at Chelsea. And I think that's just down to the man management and the tactical now of, of, yeah, Thomas Tuchel really. And I'm, I'm looking for, I know we started with Thomas Tuchel, but Thomas Tuchel was a big impact in this Chelsea side. And that's why there's a big downfall from going from a, an attacking, probably quite good coach um, and Graham Potter to a tactical genius in uh, Thomas Tuchel as well. But realistically speaking, though, I need to talk to you about Jurgen Klopp, the impact that he's had in English football as well. Crazy. Oh, yeah, huge. Absolutely. We spoke about him last week as well, literally having a um, having the bad... Isn't it, isn't a bad time at the moment with Liverpool, but you can't forget where he was with that Liverpool side originally, the players that he had into oh, what yeah. he's got into them now as well. And like you said, it's that seventh syndrome, seventh, seventh season syndrome that has got now as well, but, but it probably probably leaving this season, what would you say has been, has been his main impact in Premier League football, rather than tactics, rather the way that he manages on the touchline? What do you think, Suki? I think the thing with, with Klopp, well, what I like about him as well is that he likes to build teams that play on the front foot, so never have to kind of like sit back. He demands kind of that high energetic kind of type of rock and roll football. So he doesn't want his players just to be kind of stagnant, sitting there, 
watching the board just being smashed sideways. So I think a good thing from watching Klopp as well with the Prem. And if you think about it, the Prem entertainment-wise is the best league to watch right in the world. So when you're thinking about it, you're, you're there to watch end-to-end football, really high energetic, really fast-paced as well compared to the different leagues that we watch, like Spain and Italy. So I think what he's brought there, he's just elevated the kind of entertainment aspect of the Premier League, where when you watch Liverpool, of again, of late, where Klopp was doing quite well with Mane and everyone else, uh, you you saw that where they were pumping teams like 5-0, 6-0, absolutely dominating them. And again, everyone kind of disguises it to say that he's only focused on the attacking aspect of football. But when you look at his whole team, he has it all kind of planned out and systemized so that his backline is always keeping it defensive. And on that sign of Van Dijk kind of shored that up, right? Uh, again, it was an expensive signing for Southampton at that time, but well worth the money, right? So um, 100%. Yeah, I think he's brought quite a lot to the Premier League in terms of that era. But again, he, he faced against a City team that just a any other team from Manchester yeah, City as well. Super team in Manchester. So if you looked at any other kind of uh, kind of seasons in the in the Premier League, they would have had five titles on the bounce, right? That would have been a whole dynasty, you see. But I yeah. think with Pep being in there, he's kind of overtaken that and overshadowed uh, what Klopp has done. So uh, yeah, you do have to feel for him. And that's the thing you mentioned a good point about how uh, Klopp's football works in the Premier League as well. If you were to do that in Italy or in um, Spain, it may not have gone down or even go down as well because. You may just be exhausting the players over the 38-game season and just being played around at the back because that's what they do in Italy and in Spain as well. That's why I think gate compressing is so important to uh, some of these smaller teams in the Premier League as well because you have to learn how to combat it as well. Even from like the academies that they're playing um, at Liverpool as well, they're starting with the gate compressing. And it works really well for some of their players because they're already getting used to what they're expected to in the first team at the same time, which is really good. You're looking at someone like Harvey Elliott, Fabio Carvalho, Joe Gomez the younger players that have been playing this football for probably not Carvalho, but for a good number of years now for, for Liverpool. And they can still continuously put the workout week in, week out. May not be having the same results, but still putting yeah. the workout in terms of the, the counter-pressing, I should say, as well, which has worked really well. And a lot of teams, like you said, do it now straight from a goal kick, for example, as well. You have four or five players in the opposition half when a keeper could easily just go route one, there you go, eliminated five players from the game. But they still don't do that. And it's just, it's just down to that uh, influence from Jurgen Klopp as well, which is absolutely crazy. One player, one manager I, want, I did want to speak to you about before we go on to before we finish on Jurgen Klopp is Ralph Hasenhutl as well. The fact that he's also someone that's come from the RB Leipzig, RB Leipzig, RB Leipzig uh, way of coaching, which is again rock and roll football, gig and press and football as well. But he did it in a four four two system at Southampton. Obviously, he's not there anymore. He was sacked earlier this season, but. Yeah. You're still kind of seeing that in in different parts of Europe as well. The four four two, two strikers, inverted wingers as well. When you're having the full press moving from side to side, which I think is really really good. Um, out of the three managers we kind of discussed as well, so keep in terms of what you'd be looking for as a Spurs fan, which one would be more appealing for you? I know you've got Conte at the moment, but if you were to watch one just neutrally, what kind of uh, system would you go for? The Tuchel system, the Klopp system, or the I mean, Hassan system? I'll, t- I'll take the Klopp system any day of the week because, again, as fans, we, we pay this money to pay for these tickets, right, to watch entertaining football. Yep. So the last thing you want to watch is currently my Spurs at the moment of sitting mm-hmm. five at the back, Hoyerberg and fucking Dyer passing the ball 400 times in their own half. It isn't, it's, yeah, it's just not football, right? But again, I think you, you do have to be realistic at the same time where with Klopp, he needs the money to have these kind of good players there and then. And I think that's why Liverpool have kind of sporadically over the years every window given him what he needed especially with the inherited squad that he took over from Brendan Rodgers right it was quite depleted it was old 
you had a few bad apples there. He's kind of reinvigorated the whole team. But when you look at it from from kind of our point, we need someone that can develop young players because, again, we know what our owners are like. We know what their model is, is to buy young and then sell off. So I think having Tuchel would probably be better off in that system. And I think because the team have already spent pretty much a year and a half under Conte with that kind of free at the back, they know how to play that formation now. They should Again, it should be embedded right into, into their bodies. That they should to be used up. to the system, literally. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so again, I'd rather, I would take Tuchel, but then it, it comes down to a question where if Tuchel wanted, say, a left wing back and we can't provide that, then we have to kind of wait for okay, a fourth or fifth or sixth person or transfer target in line and they come in and they're not up to the scratch. And I think you can see that with Emerson Royale then uh, it's slim pickings, right? So ideally, I'd love to I'd love to have two child, to be fair. But um, I mean, if I really wanted the football, I'd choose Klopp. I reckon Ralph Hughes and I, I just, I just don't see it. I think with him, he kind of blew hot and cold sometimes. He did. Uh, and it, it was quite, it was quite hard to kind of gauge what, what he was trying to do at Southampton. So it was, it, it, some, some games it was entertaining. Some games it was quite dire where they, they sat back. It was very bleak. They weren't really progressively moving the ball. The so, 9-1 yeah. defeats as well, times two it's, versus Leicester exactly, versus Man United yeah. as well. Crazy. Which kind of, which I thought as well, if you thought about his kind of, his Southampton stint, he always blew hot and cold, right? So there was always stints where he had like a run, a bit good of run form in say Feb, say March time, the second half of the season yeah. to save him a bit from relegation. And then when you get these games where they get pumped 9-0 and you're thinking, okay, he's about to go. But I think, it got to the point where you knew there was too many cold moments than kind of hot moments. So it was only a matter of time till he gets sacked. I agree as well. Cause it's just the fact that um, from, from the outside in as well, from looking at some of these Gagan pressing sides, you're looking at some of these counter pressing sides as well that we've seen. Um, it just goes to show that I think this German model is a really good way of going about it, but you do need alternatives in this day and age in the Premier League as well. And that's why we were seeing probably the highest turnover of managers every year because fans are getting a lot more impatient they want to see more from their football team as well they want to see like yeah. you said entertaining football sports not just only um a competition to for the players it's also entertainment for the fans as well so you want to see a bit more from your club you want to see a bit more enjoyment and you obviously want to get your money's worth in this day and age as well which is the craziest thing because when you're looking at someone like again like spurs or if you're looking at someone like southampton as well southampton are doing all right at the moment but you're not really going, oh, wow, they're playing a lot better brand of football. They're just winning games by just winning games, which is which is a thing at Southampton at the moment as well. And same with Spurs in lessons yesterday, especially that win against Fulham, um, which was crazy. To oh, see. Don't get me started. Honestly, don't get me started on that. It was just, yeah, I'd rather fall asleep. Don't worry. I, I literally <laughs> turned it off after like 20 minutes. I was bored. Put on, <laughs> put on better Cool Saul instead. I thought I'd watch better Cool Saul. Season five. Not a bad, not a bad series, that. Season five spoilers are coming soon. I'll, I'll be revealing it all on later podcasts when I finish it um, as well, which is good fun. But uh, before we move on to the final topic of today's podcast, what's been or who's been the best German pod, uh, who's been the best German manager uh, in the Premier League history? Tuchel, Klopp. Who are you going to uh, go for? It's definitely not Ragnik. No, definitely not, man. Mm. And I think yeah, I think I don't think the Germans would be happy now that you took that uh, Austrian national team job. Yeah, <laughs> so I think yeah, I think you'd have to go with Klopp. Just mm. going back on my point around if if City were never there, he would have won three titles on the bounce. As much as I hate to say it, because I don't want Liverpool winning the league, because again, Sky says right. So we don't need that. We don't need that <laughs> negativity of Liverpool winning. We wouldn't but... need yeah that kind of uh, yeah kind of banter on online. So I think um, I think Klopp probably was the most successful. But you can't discount two shots at the same time. He came into Chelsea halfway through the season, six months, won a Champions League against City, who are arguably the best team 
well, one of the best teams in the world, right, at that time. Yep. So I think uh, you'd give to Tuchel his, his kind of flowers being second, but I think number one, you'd have to be Klopp. Uh, and then I think any, I think anyone after Tuchel, I put it, wouldn't even put it anywhere near the conversation, really, as to say they were good managers, because, again, they were at the lower end of the table. They all got sacked. And, again, if you was to ask me where Felix Magar is, you wouldn't even know where he is, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Felix Magar, who got Daniel Farker as well, for the former Norwich manager. I mean, he did his yeah. bit for Norwich, but then it just didn't work for them as well. Against proper yo-yo club as well. David Wagner as well, former Borussia Dortmund reserves manager, didn't really do well at Huddersfield. Um, again, they end up going down relegated. And that's what you can probably um, measure their success on as well. If they're a, a smaller team, like you said, coming up into the Premier League, do they keep them there consistently? Yes or no? Yeah. Most, exactly, more times than not, exactly. I said no. Daniel Fox is a good example though, Hams, because you think about it, when they came in Norwich, the way that they played football was really good, right? It was yeah. really possession-based, but the problem was they just didn't have the quality to play that kind of football. Consistently so in the easy, Premier League. Yeah. So it was easy pickings for like teams like Liverpool, United, Chelsea, Tottenham, the top six, when they were going down there with Norwich. It was like, all right, you can have the ball for about 30 minutes, but we know you're not going to be able to maintain this level, especially at that quality and that intensity. So again, those teams just rolling over them, beating them 4 5 nil. And that's the thing, because there was that time where um, Norwich stunned Manchester City and Pep Guardiola by winning 3-2, I think, at Carrow Road, which was an iconic game for them, fair enough to them. And then yeah. once everyone noticed that, the world took notice of that, the Premier League took notice of that, they were like, okay, cool, we know what Norwich are about now under Daniel Fark. Let's play to their strengths and we'll end up winning eventually because we know what they're going to be like. And that's what they were. I think they sold Todd, uh, Todd Cantwell today as well, or yesterday, to Rangers. Did you go, did you go to Rangers? He went to Rangers, yeah, yeah. Crazy. He, so. he, he fell off, man. Honestly, I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I think he's one of those that just enjoyed his own hype for a bit and then just didn't carry on. Um, yeah, case, sad then, case with Tom yeah, Todd Cantwell. His teammate Buendia went to Aston Villa, went on to different heights, getting picked in the national team for Argentina as well. He missed the World Cup, but he is now an international, which is good to see for Emi Buendia. Salim would love it as well if he was on. Uh, he'd be he'd be getting gas of Emi Buendia <laughs> as always, which is the case. What is it? Chance created. <laughs> Chance created XG, all of that jazz. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is with Salim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, German coaches for me, like we said as well, they they make such a big impact in in English football and wherever they're going as well. But I think their style of play just suits English football more than anywhere else in Europe, obviously, except for Germany as well. I'd personally really like to see how Jurgen Klopp will survive the rest of the season. Personally, I think there may be a trophy in it for him, maybe an FA Cup. You never know with Jurgen Klopp. He's always got that way of coming about um, as well. They always get the easy draws as well. So, you know, with Liverpool as well. Yeah, I see what you mean. Do do you think, actually, a good question for you, Hams, about Mm. Klopp. Do you think, again, with the seven-season syndrome, and I think he's aware of that anyway, and and I think you can see from the team that he needs reinvestment, especially in the middle of the park. Do you think he'll stay or do you reckon he'll jump ship and manage the national team at some point? I'd love him to see him manage a national side. I think it'd be fantastic. It'd be a better brand of football um, than we've seen in, in quite a while for the German national side. Probably until literally 2000, probably 16, I would say. 2018, they were poor. 2022, they were poor. World Cup, they were poor. But I think that Euros after the World Cup where they won, they were still a good brand of football. But I'd love to see him manage in, in the national side. Maybe even... Maybe even if he was to go to somewhere in Germany, maybe go back to uh, Borussia Dortmund as well and try and take on that Bayern Munich powerhouse that you get to see win every season in in the in the Bundesliga as well. But no, I, I don't think Jurgen Klopp will resign. I think they'll have to force him out if he was to go out as well. I think he's too good of a manager to go, you know what, there's not really anywhere in England I want to go to. Man yeah. City won't take him. United 
won't take him as well. Tottenham are Tottenham won't match their ambition. Arsenal kind of getting started with theirs. Chelsea will, will Chelsea will take anyone. You know what Chelsea are like, but uh, <laughs> they they'll get rid of him after two seasons as well. But I I genuinely think if he was to go anywhere, um, it would probably be going back to Germany, maybe the national side as well. Um, it should be good fun. But objectively speaking, I enjoy watching Jurgen Klopp sides. Obviously, as a Man United fan, I hate watching them when they're winning. So I love that. I love that they're losing, which is good fun as well. Ah, but yeah, just to finish off the podcast today, Suki, we are obviously talking all about Bundesliga, but I think to to end this podcast today, we're going to be talking about some of the best ever players that are German that played in the Premier League as well. So we can just go one by one. There's no list or anything like that as well. We'll just give a few shout outs and honorable mentions at the end. But you go first. Who's, who's your kind of favourite German player that you got to watch in the Premier League? And I know you're going to miss out a few Arsenal players. So I'll say a few of the Arsenal players. Um, yeah, you, you say the Arsenal ones because I, I can't. I mean, there, there is one that I really like from, but I won't mention him because again, Patriotic Reds, too much. It's easier, all good. So, yeah. Um, I'd have to, I, I think one good one was probably Leroy Sane. It was a shame that he left. Uh, yes. Again, whatever happened between the, behind the, the, in the dressing room with Pep and all that. But yep. I think one player that you saw that had the absolute, the Premier League attributes of being super quick, super rapid, knew where to shoot, knew where the goal was, knew how to get in behind defenders, knew how to play a different system as well. Uh, it was just a shame that he left so early. I think if he'd stayed, he would have made a name for himself, especially in the Prem. And I think you would have seen him elevate his heights to to being a, a quality player. And I think at Bayern, he's kind of just sporadically, slowly just progressed in in that sense, where he's just, he's just plodding along. It's the same with like Gnabry and Coleman. They're just there as pieces and they're just slowly just going as the season goes. You don't really hear them or see any clips of them online to say, okay, well, they've had this or they've had a blinder or we scored a hat-trick in so many games. I think I think it probably was probably a mistake on his side for leaving City. I think if he had stayed, he would have, he would have had more success uh, with the Prem. But then again, he's gone to Bayern Munich, so you can't really... It's the first really world problem for Leroy Sane right there as well. Because yeah. I, I had the pleasure of going to watch him play earlier this season in Milan, so Inter Milan versus Bayern Munich. And he was just still as joyful as ever to watch as well. I use this term a lot, joyful, but that's what football does. When you have footballers like Leroy Sane, they do bring you joy. Uh, he is a big game player in, in the Bundesliga as well, which is great to see. And probably a player I wanted to see more of at the World Cup, but it, was, it wasn't to be for Germany. The system did, didn't suit him as well. Realistically speaking, though, he was part of those... Manchester City sides. I think he was part of the Centurions as well that won the league and yeah, got to the semi-final once upon a time as well. So you're looking at it and you're like, he was in that, he was in that best of positions at Manchester City where he could have been elevated to new heights. That front three of Sane, Sterling and Aguero always gets talked about. And now it's a Pep Roulette system as well with so many different players in there as well. You can't even name the best front three. You can probably name it on FIFA like Mares, Foden and Haaland, but People are even saying now that Haaland may not even be suited to Man City style of play yet. So we have to wait and see what happens with that. I disagree personally because when it's scoring the goals oh, yeah. that he is, who are it's you just, talking it's about? It's just sound bites, isn't it really? That's what it is. All that click think about it. So it's yeah, like last week as well when people are like, oh, Man United are in a title race. No. <laughs> and then we, we then lose to Arsenal. Oh, Man United are out of the title race. I'm like, we were never in it in the first place. That's why I'm so yeah. glad that we, we got the narrative out there from our side as well, um, which is crazy. My favourite German player of all time in the Premier League is none other than Mesut Ozil. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. 184 appearances, 33 goals, 54 assists in the Premier League as well. Hey, I think he's still one of the most assists that ever has ever got in the Premier League was from Mesut Ozil in a season. Joint top by February. Yeah. And Olivier Giroud, Theo Walcott and Danny Welbeck as your front three, not scoring... 
did not help him at all. And I feel sorry for the guy because he would have been one of the all-time greats. And I think he was robbed of a Premier League title with Arsenal when Leicester City won. And I thought he could have done so much better um, than he did as well. But um, I'm going to try and find another word for joy for Meza Ozil. I'm going to call him probably one of the coolest players to play in the Premier League, um, in my opinion as well. One of the coolest, one of the calmest. People always would look at him when Arsenal lost the game. What was Mesut Ozil, Ozil doing? Why is he not running back? Why is he not tracking back? Why is he not busting a lung? He was one of the original like number 10s in that 2010, uh, 2010 decade of Premier League number 10s coming through as well. Yeah. Who are you to try and stop Mesut Ozil from creating and making all of these kind of amazing moments for Arsenal where they bought him, they were celebrating on deadline day. I remember um, watching that on Sky Sports as well. And it's just like, people are loving it and... He was, I think, he was the first player in history for the Premier League to assist goals in six um, consecutive Premier League games as well. And it's just an absolute... Oh, yeah. you, he was a phenomenon once upon a time as well. And you just wanted to watch him all the time. Even, even when you weren't even liking or supporting Arsenal, like we both don't like Arsenal at all. But for me personally, I'd love watching Mesut Ozil. And everyone goes on about his Luda Goretz goal, but he has so many bigger moments, especially against Antonio Conte's Chelsea him on a counter-attack with Alexis Sanchez and he scores that bounce goal as well. And just like, oh my days, that volley. So, so good. So, so good as well. And I think he's got a couple of the other records as well, which I need to find um, regarding Meza Ozil. So, I know he may have been the player you were suggesting um, yeah. <laughs> from Arsenal. But yeah, literally, most chances created in a single season. So, he created 146 goal-scoring chances, finished yeah. the season with 19 assists and six goals to his name as well which was unreal. But again, it was Giroud before he moved um, away. Most chances created in a single Premier League game. He once created 12 chances against Sunderland once upon a time as well, which is crazy. Again, and again with Arsenal as well, most chances created in a single Champions League game. This was when he was back at um, Real Madrid. And guess who it was against? Was it you, United? Spurs. Oh, Great. 12 oh, chances in a single yeah, game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, mate, we were, yeah, we got battered by them in those two legs. Yeah, absolutely. I think Ali Bayor was on uh, Real yeah, Madrid side as well. Like, yeah, absolutely killed us, Hams. Honestly, he just it just showed the levels. There's just levels between them and then us. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was just a fantastic time for Arsenal fans and for Premier League fans in general to be able to appreciate Meza Ozil as well. So Meza Ozil was definitely one of my favourite German players um, that we've got. Who's next on your so-called list? We both have so-called lists. So I'm not making fun of you. We've just we're improvising this at the end of the podcast. Yeah, but. we're just going with the flow. I think uh, again, they, they play they play for our rivals. Majority of these German players. So again, mm. I shouldn't really be hyping them up. But I think one, and he was the most unluckiest as well. By the way, Michael Balak. Yes, 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 yes. Tell, tell, unlucky, us, tell us, tell us why he was so unlucky, Suki. So it was the was it 2001 or 2002 season. Yep, so they were pretty much uh, by Leverkusen. He was, I think he was the youngest player at that time. He was like 21 or 22. He was really young. Yeah. Uh, up-and-coming talent for Germany, was leading the squad for Germany as well from a national point. Uh, they were literally on course to do a treble and then it all capitulated right at the end. So I think it was the Polka final they lost. Uh, I can't remember what team. You'll have to, you'll have to help me on that one, Hans, but they lost in the final. Uh, they lost the season in the last two games of the season as well. They lost sorry, the title of that league in the last two um, games of the season. Mm. Uh, and then the Champions League, Zidane's volley absolutely finished them off. So he lost pretty much three trophies that they were literally on course and favourites to win. Yeah, I remember that because it was a season where Bayern Leverkusen beat Man United in the semi-final 
Um, and they won yes. on away goals as well, if I remember correctly. And I remember going to bed crying. Probably one of, one of the two times in that year I cried. And the last two times in football I cried. We lost to Bayern Leverkusen, um, obviously, and they got through to the Champions League final. Where obviously, Zidane scored that iconic goal. And then I cried when Ronaldinho scored against England at the World Cup. But also in that World Cup as well, young Michael Balak was suspended for the final. Oh, yes. So yes. He was, yeah, he was, was watching it, yeah. from he was watching from the bench. And it was just one of those things you're looking at him and you're like, yeah, you definitely would have made all the difference in the world. And it just it was just on the cards as well. It was crazy to see how how he did it. But I think he got a yellow card against South Korea of all teams as well. So it was, it was one of those things. It literally in 2002. It was a tough game though, Hamza, in the semis. It was a tough game against South Korea for them. So No, it was a great it was a great game, that one. I remember South Korea. It was like that Morocco game against France. You're literally just there like, oh yeah, there's there's competition there from the underdogs as well. But yeah, just well, Apparently that was actually corrupt the the South Korea kind of route to semi-finals. The referee were helping. Hundred percent, hundred. When you're looking at the Italian game as well, rigged, so so rigged as well. Yeah, it was so rigged. (laughs) It's so odd how South Korea got through with it as well. But it kick-started their footballing dream, and that's how we got players like Park Ji Sung and obviously Son Heung Min as well. Crazy to see. But yeah, just confirm Michael Ballack. He lost the Bundesliga title in the final game of the season. Lost the German Cup final as well. Lost the Champions League final. And lost the World Cup final. And to rub uh, insults to injury, he lost the 2008 Champions League final against Manchester United because his captain, John Terry, insisted on taking the fifth penalty and he slipped. <laughs> Come on. It, I was always going to get yeah, that I'm, one out there. I'm addicted. I love it though. He's Chelsea. So yeah, again, fuck him. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, oh yeah, he's the most unluckiest player. I was like, yeah, not unluckiest. It's just clearly didn't, just clearly didn't happen for him as well. But yeah, he was a fantastic player in the Premier League for Chelsea. I wish he could have stayed for a number, a more number of years as well. Um, again, we're going to the ops, we're going to the rivals. Question for you now, is this one of the, is this the best German player we've ever seen in the Premier League? Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, we mentioned a couple of legends. Ozil, Balak, Sane. Nah, I think I think Ozil takes the mantle on that one. I is it more? Is. is it more? If we're looking at just the player, Ozil's done more in the team that he was in, as opposed to Gundogan winning the multiple titles that he's won as well. Yeah, I think. Don't, don't get me wrong, Gundogan, brilliant player, by the way. I'm not mm. not discounting that. Fantastic player, and I think that's what City were missing that that number eight that can get in between the lines. No one's to defend deep. No one's to push the ball forward, right? So. I think it, I'm not taking that away from him, but I think if someone of importance uh, and had like a, a reputation, when you think about it, and when you watch Premier League and you see the adverts, who were you seeing? Hazard, Ozil, you know what I mean? Van Persie, they were, they were the, those are the players that you'd see on, on the adverts of Premier League, or especially when you was watching Sky Sports Super Sundays and stuff like that. So yeah. I think with Ozil, he had that, he had that level of importance for Arsenal. And again, it weren't like they were a shit team. They were still top four consistently and hitting these FA Cups, right, with him. He was the poster boy for a time at Arsenal, you're right. Him and Sanchez. Yeah, so I think with that, it's, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, you can't really take him off the mantle of that one. Gundogan, I would put close up there, but I think Ozil would be probably the number one German player we've had in the Prem for a long Definitely. time too. Jens Lehmann was a fantastic keeper. Again, we're going to the Ops as well. Keeper during the... Um, the unbeatable season as well for Arsenal. So he was there. He actually, if I remember correctly, he was the number one keeper for Germany in the 2006 World Cup as opposed to Oliver Kahn, who he benched during the whole tournament, which is yeah. crazy to see as well. So Kahn, Kahn was on the decline though because he was getting old, right? So He was around 37, yeah. 38 then as well. So he, he had his time in 2002, I think, which was which case. But yeah, 
Jens Lehmann, he had his time in England and he was a fantastic keeper. Very scary keeper when I was, when I was a child, if I remember correctly. Literally just a, just a bully um, in the keepers. We need more ke- uh, bully keepers as well. You know, I don't like all of these passing out from the back keepers. You need a bit more menaces in there as well to actually scare the uh, attackers, which we don't really get. Honourable mention from me, Bastian Schweinsteiger, only because he was a Manchester United uh, player as well. But I'll he put him really, in there. <laughs> yeah, I just remember being able to watch him. I was like, oh yeah, he's a fantastic player, but his way past his best is in the wrong system. Manager was right for him, but just the wrong system because he couldn't. You couldn't have Carrick and Schweinsteiger in the same team. So yeah. Van Hal and Mourinho both chose Carrick over Schweinsteiger due to the fact that Schweinsteiger just passed it when he left Bayern Munich as well. So. It is what it is. Any other honourable mentions from yourself there, Sophie? Yeah, Rudiger, Antonio Rudiger, when he was at Chelsea for that little short stint, did mm. quite well. Again, it was a shame that he, he didn't get to stay with Chelsea. I think they I wished that he had stayed. But again, I think when Real Madrid come calling, you've got to go. And then the other one that we were just talked about just before the pod, Robert Hoof. Yes. Um, he's won a Prem, so <laughs> you can't discount it for that. And uh, I, re- I really like that about Robert Hoof as well. The fact that he was a Chelsea youngster once upon a time as well, and then he yeah. went through the teams. Remember him playing at Stoke, and then he just moves to Leicester. I think it was a January transfer as well. Moves to, uh, to Leicester, and he helps them survive relegation. And then the next Ooh. season... Hams, and- he's won a t- he must have won a title there, because he was at Chelsea, what, 2003? Let's have a look. Is he a double winner? Robert he must Hoof. be a double winner then, because he would have been there in Mourinho's time. I remember he was on the bench. I remember he played against Arsenal in what he won it in 04, maybe in 04 or 05. Uh, English champions has won three. Yeah, you're right. Good shout. He won three. Bloody hell, there you go. Yeah. 2005 and 2006, he won it. And obviously, yeah, 2016, yeah. the historic one of Leicester. And he won the League Cup with Chelsea in 2005 as well. So it's well decorated there, Robert Hoof, as well. Yeah, there you go, man. He's, he's, done, he's done his bit, he's done his, uh, done his time. That's Robert Hoof has won more Premier League titles than Liverpool. Imagine that. Robert <laughs> Hoof himself. <laughs> I love that. I like how you threw that one in there. <laughs> ah, come on. It, it was one where we were hyping up Klopp and then we had to bring him down to earth as well. So it needed to be done as well. But yeah. yeah. I was going to say, his classic, his classic moment was, remember the free kick for Leicester and he smashed it into like, not even Rose Ed, man. He went out for a throw, remember? It was good time wasting there from Robert Hoof as oh, well. Yeah, true. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good from him, but no, I really, I really didn't mind him, especially when he was at Stoke, like as well. I don't know why. He, where's the other team? Sunderland, Newcastle, Middlesbrough. It was Middlesbrough he used to play for after Chelsea. Chelsea, Middlesbrough, Stoke. Then when yeah. Middlesbrough got relegated, he moves to Stoke. Yeah, he did a stint somewhere. Yeah, from when he was yeah, in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Just, just checked it now. It definitely it is, 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 <laughs> is, is Chelsea, Middlesbrough, Stoke, Leicester. So it's literally gone around the country, uh, working out there as well, which is good fun. Got a fair bit then done really well I would say which is really really good um, but yeah just to wrap up the podcast Suki, before we um, yeah before before we part ways wanted to kind of ask you as well are there any kind of players from your point of view that you think um, coming into the Premier League the likes of Nkunku the likes of Kai Havertz that we've seen um, as well from the Bundesliga that you think we should be watching out for coming forward because a few players have come from the Bundesliga and they've done great we're talking about Erling Haaland we're talking about yeah we're talking about um, yeah, Erling Haaland was definitely the big one. And we're talking about players that are kind of on the cusp. Jason Sancho not really doing too well as well. So are there any players that you think we should be watching out for from these young players from the Bundesliga that you think, you know what, they are going to blow up in 2023? Um, oh, yeah, definitely. I think the, the 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 kind of main ones we're talking about is Bellingham's being the one. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it. And we just talked about it just before the pod, the goal that he just scored recently, just outside the box where he just jinked those defenders out of the way and just buried it in. Yeah, uh, Musiala from Bayern Munich, 
absolutely class. You could tell he's got that Iniesta kind of talent to him. So again, he's just born with it. He's got that natural talent. I think now if he was to just again bulk up a bit, get on his fitness and then progressively over time, he'd be one for the future. But I, I don't think Bayern will be able to keep hold of him for, for quite a long time. I reckon he'll end up in the Prem at some point because again, he was at Chelsea as an academy graduate and then he moved back and then he made his allegiance to uh, Germany. So mm-hmm. I think there will be a bit of a kind of I mean, money talks, right, later, later down the line in life for them, So, especially with these players. So I think probably later down, he'll probably go. Miyaku, I think that's an interesting one, to be fair, after what's just happened recently, saying that he was 22, not 18. Yusuf so, Mukuku. Uh, yeah, so it's an interesting one. With That the, is quite funny, that is. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it kind of makes But no, honestly, quality player, though. You can't, you can't knock him off on that one. He's a good player. But I think he's... I just don't think he's ready yet just to go from the Bundesliga. I think he just needs a couple more seasons there with Dortmund just to develop that talent get on that hype train of scoring goals, getting assists, and then he can make his big money move to, again, whoever, United, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Arsenal, whatever. He can, he can then move on. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else that I've been watching, to be fair. You know what? I'll go I'll go on the flip side now. I'll talk yeah. about the players that have left the Bundesliga that we have seen move to different clubs as well. So let's go through Jadon Sancho, Kai Havertz, Kevin De Bruyne, Pulisic, Aubameyang. We mentioned Harlan is very good as well. And let's mention, you know what, just for, for sake of variety, let's add in Naby Keiser as well. Out of all of them, them really expensive transfers, all over £50 million, how many of them would you say currently, at this moment in time, are successes? Uh, probably like a couple. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that whole list. Naby Keita, what? Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Naby Keita's just thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, that ch- I still remember that chance in the Champions League final. Do you remember that? 80-second minute or something. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, like you're not Steven <laughs> Gerrard, Naby Keita. Behave yourself, pass it to someone. It's embarrassing, just wasting time for Liverpool, just hitting into Rosette, literally into yeah. Rosette. Um, so yeah, Naby Keita's a, a down for me. Erling Haaland, he's still over 50 million, obviously, yes. Uh, he's way up there, yeah. He's gonna get 40 goals this season. It's incredible, amazing sign. And the fact that it was only 60 million euros as well. That release clause is crazy criminal. from criminal. Yeah. It should have done 100 million in this day and age. Even when they bought in Bruce Dortmund, it should have been a higher uh, higher release clause than that. Um, yeah. Who else Who else came from them? Obama Yang, that was an expensive transfer as well to Arsenal. I think at the time, uh, you know what? I'll put him there. I'll put him there. It was, good for, it was good for Arsenal, bad for Chelsea. But I think, no, I think he, he started off well, but then when he, when he came to that contract situation where you need to start kicking on, Mm. He just he, we went from that to then starting going downwards. So I think he's on that trajectory. It, yeah. it was that until he won the FA Cup with Arsenal, yes. and then he got big for his boots. I was like, yeah, I need to go. Yeah, yeah. that was the case. <laughs> that was the case for Aubameyang. Um Pulisic, Chelsea. So they spent 64 million euros on him as well. Dinka literally didn't do well at the World Cup for the USA. Hardly going to get any game time with all of these amazing young players that Chelsea are signing now, even though they're, they're spending wildly. Pulisic is probably going to end up leaving because he won't have any game time about it. Kevin De Bruyne, is he the best ever signing from the Bundesliga? Yeah, he's up there. He's got to be up there, yeah. 100%. I, I, I still remember when you seen that Daily Mirror thing. It was like, uh, it was such a waste of money for £64 million. Pounds. 76 million euros as well from it is, Wolfsburg. When he was at the Wolfsburg top, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne to Manchester City. The season before, Pep Guardiola came as well. So it was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, I think he joined when he just joined, when Pitt had just joined, he had signed. I don't know what it, I don't know which yeah, one it was. Yeah. 15-16 season it was. So it was it was a season before because he was under Pellegrini. I remember that. He was under Pellegrini and he's playing as a winger as opposed to an attacking midfielder or centre mid. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to think. But he must have what? Four, he must have joined in 14, 15 because he was at Chelsea for 2012. Is that? Is that? No, he, he was with Chelsea in 2014, and then that's when Mourinho let him go because Mourinho came in for his second stint, and then he was like, "Yeah, yeah. I've got to go," and then that was it. Um, uh, but anyway, 2015. Yeah, he joined. Yeah, he joined City 2015. Yeah, so what do you mean when Pep had just joined? Yeah. Yeah, so 2015. Pep joined in 2016. Pellegrini oh, sorry, was there. Yeah. That was the Leicester season. That was the Leicester season, 15-16. I remember that. <laughs> good times, good times for Leicester City fans. Uh, Kai Havertz, that's one I would say. Good or bad? Good for the Champions League final. Hasn't really... Bad. I still bad. don't know where Kai Havertz's best position is. I ask my friends who support Chelsea all the time. Hams, he's a he's a he's a cam, he's a he's a centre attacking midfielder. I just don't get why Chelsea don't see what he did at Leverkusen. Yeah. He sits behind the striker, picks up in the spaces, left foot, peach, and you see his goals at Leverkusen, he was pinging them for 30 yards. He was, I don't he's understand like why a, he's like a Remaduta, actually. He's like a Thomas Muller. So it's not again as like a creative midfielder, he's just there as a second striker, like you said, just pinging it 30 yards pinging. out with not really having to worry about the defensive duties, but actually working really hard, not being a lone striker, which kind of makes sense in a way. He's not, um, he's not built for it. If you think about it, every time, like I, I get it from Ziyech, he's trying to smash the ball in from across, but yeah. he's not that kind of striker, man. He's, but again, he's not a striker anyway. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and last one, honorable mention, I will say Ed and Jekka was a great success for Man City. I thought it was a fantastic yeah, player yeah. to watch um, in that time. Jaden Sancho, good or bad? <laughs> I'm going down for Jaden Sancho. I predicted at the start of the season he'd have a very good start with Eric Ten Hag, but he's obviously had his mental health break to go away for a couple of weeks as well since the World Cup. Um, he's still not featured for Man United. Uh, at the time of speaking, he's come back into training, but I think with Jaden Sancho, time will tell. I'm looking forward to seeing more from Jaden Sancho, but if if we are going to give him a couple more games of rest, fair enough, but he de- he does need to come back into the swing of things. He does need to get back into full fitness as well. That right wing spot is crying out for Jaden Sancho at Manchester United. So if he is to make a position his own, like Marcus Rashford has made the left wing his own, Jaden Sancho has to make that right wing his own. He has to keep the likes of Anthony out, which isn't really hard, I would say, at this moment in time. He's not playing great. Uh, <laughs> Pilistri isn't getting any game time. And I don't like when you play Bruno Fernandes as a right winger as well. So Jaden Sancho, come back into this first team for Man United and kind of do it. Trying to show us what you did at uh, Bruce Dortmund literally as a right winger 100% funny yeah. funny thing you say that every time we talk in the group chat me uh, uh, and Arif we always take the piss out of him because he's always take, we always take um, he's <laughs> I shouldn't say this but we just say that you know smart whips yeah, yeah the balloons so we always take the piss saying that he's doing balloons all the time and oh I think because he's we have in Amsterdam it, it just elevated the joke <laughs> so we always take the piss saying he's doing smart whips so yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's funny but again it's harsh at the same time yeah, but then happens. again there needs to be some justification. You spend 75 million on him, so he needs to start proving his worth. Otherwise, he, he, it's a big flop. I 100%. think at the moment it, it's showing, yeah. Just another one I forgot, and he's coming actually next in the summer. Nkunku at Chelsea. Yes. Want to watch out for, yeah. I just don't want it to be Werner part two. Honestly, I don't want it to be another Leipzig striker part two. He's a fantastic player. I remember saying yeah. this about Werner when he came into England. He was a fantastic goal scorer, a good threat. Um, against high-press teams and against people with high lines as well. And Kunku can play between the lines as well, which is great. And I've been a big fan of him for a good uh, couple of years, ever since he moved to Leipzig. Really missed out on him at the World Cup, France did, and the neutral fan did as well, respectively. But 
is he going to be Havertz part two? Is he going to be Werner part two? Or is he actually going to be... Oh, no. Nah. I don't, I, the thing is, the reason why I say it is because when you watch the Champions League games and he, he what he's done so quite well as well, he hasn't jumped ship straight away when he was at Leipzig. He hasn't, he hasn't found that big money move. Mm. He's taken his time. He's been patient. You see him against Real Madrid in the group stages this season. He absolutely annihilated him at home. So I think going forward, he, he's done it the right way. He's progressed it. And plus, he come from PSG's academy and he was in their first team for a while. So he's got the experience of working in again in France and Germany, I think again once, he may have worked. Charles, he may have worked under Thomas Tuchel, which rounds off the end of the podcast quite well. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, that's a good point. Nicely done. <laughs> if if Salim was here, I know he would have said Leon Bailey from Bayern Leverkusen to Aston Villa. So I'll just throw. Oh, that how no, how no. Take that, take that out of the list, man. Leon take Bailey him. definitely down crazy um, but no nicely done there Suki everyone thank you very much for listening to the full podcast as well um, do follow Valentina our special guest from the first part of the podcast on social media and we'll see you on the next podcast everyone thank you very much for listening take care and goodbye peace <laughs>